0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Thank you so much for the invitation to speak today. Um, I don't know what's happening. I'm feeling very emotional today. Um, Thank you so much that for being here and that I am here. And 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 the way I, I meet you today is not the way I met you when I first got here, okay? Um, well, where to start? I met you in January of 1986 at 340 pounds of loveliness. Uh, there's no other way for me to try and describe it at the time. Uh, when I walked in and I met you, I met you uh, totally consumed by the compulsion Um, Today, I call it the addiction, but it's the same thing. Totally consumed by the compulsion to eat. It was called food, sugar, food, sugar, wash, rinse, repeat, food, sugar. Everything that I did and could think about was food. If I had a thought, it went immediately to action. So, and, and, And that was how I met you. Oh, by the way, I brought with myself a little baggage. Um, aside from the 340 pounds of loveliness, I brought with myself the baggage that I, when I met you, I was definitely a liar, a cheat, a sneak, and a thief. And that defined my food thoughts. And later in reflection, I knew that defined not 100% of my character flaws, but close. Okay, just close. So that was, that was kind of how I rolled in. Um. To my first meeting in January of 1986, I, I don't want to waste a lot of my 20 minutes talking about what it was like, what it was like. Well, other than the fact that I, I ate nonstop because I couldn't stop and I had to. And to me, that always separates the the me from someone who uh, gee, during COVID, I put on 12 extra pounds Th- that happened. But for me, it was, I had to, Um, the compulsion was so strong. I could not, not, it had to happen. I had to eat it that way. And, and, And when I say that I was a sneak and a cheat and a thief, well, yes, I definitely stole. But my food, I would sneak and eat. So when you looked at me, God forbid, you would not know that I was 340 pounds. And my family at night, I did not eat in front of them so that they, how could I have ever gotten that large, we might ask, when I didn't eat all that much? Because I would sneak, you know, and and hide. Oh, my goodness, I ate to escape. I, I hid out in the dark in the movies where I could just, absorb the screen and eat myself into oblivion and walk out and go home and talk about how hungry I was because a meal had to be prepared. okay So that was how that was how I met you. And for the very first time when I walked into my meeting in January of 1986, it was the very first time I heard the steps spoken. I did not have a clue. I had just eaten and behaved my way up to where I was. When I walked into that meeting, a friend that I worked with had experienced the meeting the week before. So she was a week ahead of me and she sent me the little piece of literature and she called me on the phone. Remember, I said it was January. So we were already buying out all the chocolate Santas at the grocery store. I already knew that 100% addicted to sugar. Sugar makes me crazy. Okay. And um, she she said, you know, there's a meeting and it's not that far from where you live. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try. it. I'll try. I'll go. I'll try. Because it's January. Everybody does something in January. Even I had thoughts in January. And so I I, I went there. And um, these three things, the three steps, just as they were read, was the very first time in my life ever I heard them. Now, I knew that there was AA and that was it. I knew there was a thing called Alcoholics Anonymous and I never gave those two words another thought ever. I'm not an alcoholic. Didn't really care. But you know, it was funny, I'm in that meeting, and they read the, the 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 steps, and I'm thinking, we admit it, we're powerless over food, and my life has been, unman- my life was very manageable, thank you very much. I just had a little weight problem. You know, I was just a little bit overweight. My my life, I did not want to change my life. I was, I had a home, I was married, I had three kids, why, a job, I was, why would I want to change my, okay, never mind. They're selling a book, we're going to read tonight. The book was the AA's 12 and 12. This was before Overeaters Anonymous had a 12 and 12 second edition or first edition, or even the very first one that came out, which was just 12. Um, we didn't have any of that. And um, um, so I bought that age 12 and 12. I still have it today where I've gone through and scratched out alcoholic and rope food and all that stuff. And I still have that same book And I thought, okay, I'm going to buy this book. I'm going to go home. I'm going to read the secret of you guys because there's got to be a secret. That's why somebody wrote the book, right? And I'm done. I'm going to be be finished. But in the meantime, I'm sitting here. And then the step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Of course, there's a power greater than me. I'm fat. I'm not crazy. I understand how the universe works. Okay. I can sit around. I can listen to you guys talk about that. And then that Oh, and I didn't know I needed to be restored to sanity because I didn't know I was insane. Why would I need to be restored to sanity, I might ask. But the secret was going to be in that book that I bought that night. And we're going to make a decision to turn our will in our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. This is going to sound really crazy coming from me because I did believe in God. I mean, after all, I come from a Catholic family. I'm a good person. Other than I might require a teeny bit of course correction in my life. I really, okay, fine. You're reading it. I'm here. It's my first time. I buy the book to teach you a lesson that I know how to read. That's a good lesson. I'm going to take this book. I'm going to go home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it for the plot. I'm going to find the secret that you guys know. And I'm done. Thank you. Remember I said I was a liar, a cheat, a sneak, and a thief. I was a very good liar. Aside from that, my food. Of course, I'm eating very little. Yeah, right. But the next week, when my friend called me to ask me to come to the meeting the second time, and she said, I mean, when she we're on the phone, and I, I I kid you not, as good a liar as I could be, and storyteller, I couldn't come up with one good lie to tell her why I couldn't go back to the meeting. I couldn't come up with one if my life depended on it. And I said, yes, I'll go. So in my in my loveliness, wearing my muumuu top, all of my clothes were food stained, by the way. And I refused to wear food stain clothes today, but all of my clothes were food stained. I went to that second meeting, and it was also at that first meeting that I introduced myself for the first time ever. So there were a lot of firsts happening for me, as Lonnie and I was a compulsive overeater. Because you guys said it, and when you said it, my brain just lit up. I there's a name, there's a name for what I do. I I didn't just make this up. I'm not the only one. I am not alone. So I did come away with something that night, but nothing that I really said, wow, the pull was strong enough to bring me back for the second night until she called me and asked me and I couldn't think of a good enough lie. And she knew me well enough to to have known if I was really lying. So I go the second night and the second night I'm reading that book again because I already read the book that week and did not find the secret. And now I'm a little intrigued. I'm intrigued enough to figure "Mm, maybe I will come. Maybe I will come on Tuesday night. I met a person there that ended up being part of my family until she passed away. She was my first sponsor. And she did exactly what, what was the best thing for me to hear at the time. She said to me the most wonderful words I'd ever heard and never heard again. And she said, whatever it is that you're eating, don't worry about it. Just come to the meeting. Don't worry about what you're eating. And I thought, you know what? At the time, I was 43. No one had ever said those words to me. I was always supposed to worry about what I ate and how I ate it and when and where, quantities. And I went, okay, okay, somewhere else there's the secret. You guys have a secret and it lives somewhere else, but it's not in that book we're reading. It's not in the age 12 and 12 because I read it. I was disappointed in the plot, but I did not find the secret. Little did I know, okay, little did I know. Spoiler alert here. Not only did I come to you as a hundred pounder, compulsive overeater, way overweight, but I came to you with a broken spirit. And I came to you with a a need to escape my family of origin and the family I created for myself. And being the good escape artist that I am, I didn't go anywhere. I had to escape wherever I was in the moment. And I did. Fixing that problem. I wrote this down and made just a couple of notes before this, fixing it would come to occupy the major portion of my life from that point forward. Little did I know, didn't have a clue what was going on. All I knew was that there was one meeting, I was going to that meeting for two or three weeks into the meeting, I think, no, about a month into the meeting, that same person who has now said she's going to be my sponsor. And I don't remember getting a whole bunch of choices, but I said okay. Um, and she started assigning things to write, and you know there's there's stuff to be done here. Um, she said to me, you know, there's other meetings. Seriously? Yes. And your meaning is, well, perhaps you might want to attend more than just this one. Really? Back and forth. The next thing I know, she is held me by the hand, did what she did best, which was guide and direct me, which means that she drugged me somewhere to a hundred pound emphasis meeting in Los Angeles, huge, huge meeting. And this was my first experience outside of that tiny group that I joined that first, the one I'd been going to where I bought that book. And this meeting probably in attendance that night might've been 65 to 70 people, big meeting, raucous, rowdy, um, people just making a lot of noise. And, and I, I, put myself way in the back of the room, deeply into the room. And when I really wanted to leave, I wanted to leave because my skin crawled. I realized that in order for me to leave, I was going to have to get up and weave my way through all the little chairs, tables and chairs. It was a cafeteria and I called them armed camps, four, 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 five, four. People sitting around these tables and chairs. I was going to have to weave my way through these people to get out. I was going to draw attention to myself. Oh my goodness, maybe I should just sit down and wait. And so I stayed and I waited. One of the best things that ever happened to me. Because by the time I left that meeting, I sat back and I thought, I'm just like these people. I am these rowdy, raucous people. I'm just like them. And I never left that meeting. It is my home meeting today, 35 and a half years later on Thursday night. You can still find me on Zoom because we can't get together in person. But you know, my first impressions of OA and my first it was, um, it was kind of astounding. So, my weight problem. Hmm, she still said, well, by that time, I, I found she found me a food sponsor, and I started to uh, commit what I was going to eat. And in those days, i got to tell you the truth here. Okay, the meals were really, really big. And she said, don't worry about it again. Overeaters Anonymous did not teach me how to eat. And I've had other people and newcomers call me and ask, Overeaters Anonymous did not teach me how to eat. Overeaters Anonymous taught me how to spot. The lesson that I heard from people in my meetings went like this. My meals begin and they end. I get three three meals a day, nothing in between. For a long time, that was how I defined my abstinence. I I didn't have a real food plan at the time. I had an abstinence, which meant I started, breakfast started, breakfast stopped. Lunch started, lunch stopped. Same thing. Dinner started, dinner stopped. And once the stop happened, that was it. You know, if you don't die tonight, you get up tomorrow morning, you get it all over again. And I got that part and it was a long time before I could actually adopt a real food plan. And I have to tell you, and if there's newcomers on this meeting, I will say this to the newcomers as it was said to me. Um, and as I see played out over and over again, the food will change. It will probably change. If you start out with a food plan, you might read about something else. That'll sound like a good plan, all right? And so you might do that plan or you might go here, you might go there. The abstinence from compulsively overeating and for me, eating sugar, for me, sugar was poison. Um, That stopped, even though my meals were really large, they really were, Um, but the the sugar stopped, it stopped. And I remember at the time thinking, still in, in in a different kind of mumu because I was big on moo's people. Um, you know, I'm wearing my moo's to work, but they're made out of different fabrics. So they don't have a big hibiscus on my blood or anything like that. And and that's 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 what I wore. That was what I could fit. And that's what I wore. But the interesting thing was my meals, there was no, no more sugar and I didn't crave. And for a long time, I didn't crave. And how could that possibly happen when I had to have that food? In order for me to work my day, to work a job at which I was frightfully unhappy. Yes, I did contribute to that unhappiness, and there was work to be done. And other speakers will talk about that kind of work. Um, but I, I could actually get through my day without eating the sugar, and with having my meals begin and end. And oh, by the way, uh, other other things happened early on in that time of working. The steps one, two, and three. Um, the stealing stopped completely. Okay. I am blessed that I guess I never got arrested for shoplifting, but this, the, the, and and I had lots of amends to make in that area later, the stealing stopped. Um, I didn't have to sneak about what I ate. I was calling this lovely lady at that meeting. She was much older than me at the time. I say that now I'm 78 and I was 43. She was probably 78 to my 43 at that time, but I called her my food. I stopped cheating I wasn't looking to uh, scam the system or to get by. And I stopped telling lies. And sometimes I'd have to back up and wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was that really the truth or not? Okay, it doesn't. The thing was, what was happening was, as a result of those steps, the changes were happening in my life that I could actually see. And there were other changes happening that I kind of couldn't see so well. But when I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I uh, um, Aside from what I've already described, I was road hard, beat down and put away wet. I was to the point where I did not argue when my sponsor said, you know what? I need you to do some writing here and you get this writing done and call me when you're done and read it to me. And I'm thinking, what does this have to do with what I eat? What What does this have to do with what I eat? But you know what? I didn't argue. Remember, I said I also came to you with a broken spirit and As a result of staying, as a result, and as a result of those first three steps, as as I was doing them at the time, my spirit got repaired. My energy level went sky high. The essence of my personality, the me of who I am, not just snappy answers to stupid questions because I'm really snarky and, and under any engagement, if it was verbal, I was going to win. Trust me, I was going to win even if I had to gained 10 more pounds as a result of the winning, I was going to do that. All of that stuff started to change, but I, I could not really see it in the middle of, of a change. I can't always see what's changing and it's later in, in retrospect, but oh, I haven't done that in a while or I haven't taken that bad action. In a while, or wow, I let somebody have the last word when I knew I could have the last word and I knew it would have been sharp and just spot on because I didn't miss. I have great rhythm. I can let somebody else have the last word and be all right with it, and it did not hit my plate. And and today, if I even think about wanting to have the last word sometimes, and I'm having a conversation with someone, so I got to admit that because it's a it's a it's a behavior. You know, it's a behavior that I also no longer have to participate in. Um, where am I with the timer? Okay, I'm just going to keep. Oh, I'm sorry, you're you've been uh, 17 minutes, so you have about uh, seven more left. Oh, okay. Thank you, thank you, Emily. I just needed to ask. Um, so so where was I? Uh, in 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 those first three steps, which was early on in my program, a lot happened and one of the great things that happened was I met a group of people as a result of that first concert the most social person on the planet uh, but when she took me to the hundred pounder meeting and I met a group of people and I started a social I became part of a social group to which I had not been part of I was the isolator you know I well Saturdays and Sundays I want to go hide out in movies in the dark and and eat my way to oblivion and go home and cook the dinner. Okay. But I started to socialize. But this is what the socialized looked like. Those people were giving service. They were giving service at marathons and 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 workshops and going to other meetings. And there were lots of dances that went on between the Los Angeles Inner Group and the Valley Inner Group at the time. And they went to all, of, and you know, I started to go with them. I started to go with. And consequently, um, my world expanded, but not how I thought it would, not at the family house where the kids are growing up and, and they've got their own social lives. I am not the center of their social world anymore. It was social on a different plane. And often I would say things like I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that it was one of my favorite things. All right. My sponsor is on this call and she um she put an elbow in my ribs by giving some service one time for a region two convention. I can remember saying, but I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do that. And in the meantime, she's talking about how we're going to make this work. She's not listening. And you know what? I gave that service, did exactly what I was told to do, had a great time, earned a lot of money. But the first thing out of my mouth was, I don't want to do that. I the, the same tactic, I think those sponsors get it. My first sponsor, would do the same thing. You can give service here, Lon. You can do that. You can be the coffee. I don't want to be the coffee. Why should I be the coffee person? I don't care if they get coffee. You can be the coffee person. The next thing I know, you can be the secretary. Oh, dear God. That was in the day when the secretary did the the meeting and booked the speakers. I don't want to do. I find myself doing that. You've got five minutes, Lonnie. Thank you. You can write an inventory and have that inventory completely written. Uh, by the end of your first year. And she nagged about it. Remember I said she was a nag? She nagged about it. Uh, Work on that inventory 15 minutes a day. Work on that inventory. I'd come in from work. I'd be tired. Oh, and she expected more. You expect me to go to more meetings. You know, all of a sudden my life changed. I'm going to come back to that statement that says, I came to you with a broken spirit. Not only a compulsive overeater, hundred pounder who ate because I could not live any better and do it any better but i came to you because there were other things that were broken and i'm i'm i feel good today to say today that they aren't so with that i'm going to wrap up and come to my today <sighs> that time when i was when i was working right before i was working the steps because i started working the steps almost right after i came in um my saturday morning would have been up really early out of the house And figuring out what movie theater was open really early so I could go in and practice in the dark, in the safe, you know, with my tubs of of food that I would bring. My Saturdays today look a whole lot different. My Saturday starts out when I get up with with, uh, Thanksgiving. I accept and I receive the gift of abstinence from compulsively overeating, from the sugar poison, and from bad food behaviors. And I name it just the way I named it just now. And then I move into my routine. I have a routine. Go here, do this, do that, read this. You know, before I take my morning calls, if it's especially a morning uh, laden with morning calls, my day looks a whole lot different. My today was my, uh, this is my second OA meeting. My first OA meeting, I participated, gave a little service, uh, finished that up and got my exercise done. I do a daily exercise routine. I told my sponsor, I will only do it on the days that I eat. I've been doing it every day now for almost a total year. And I have not yet had a day when I've skipped eating. So obviously, I'm going to do the exercise. It might appear to be little old lady exercise, but it's all mine. And I will be on here. And when I'm done, there will be other things to do. And the blessing of today for me, and I really want to share this particularly. The blessing on my day for me is that I am not, let me not say I don't think about food. I've had the lunch, so I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to get the dinner. I'm not going to die between lunch and dinner so far of starvation. But that the food thoughts are not where they used to be. I used to be thought, action. I had the thought, the action. I don't care if I had to drive through two counties in Los Angeles to get what it was I needed. If I thought that food, I had to have it, period. Nothing got in between that. You know, my youngest child tried to step in between that one day, just between me and the local chicken delicious where we were picking up dinner to get home. And she wanted to know if I could not eat the the biscuits in the car. Could I wait until we got home? And I just looked at her and with venom and no. And so I ate them in the car. And then when I went home, I ate them again. She tried to stop. She was the only one that could see it. She tried to stop it. So today, if I have food thoughts, I recognize food thought. If the food thought is really nuts, somebody is going to get a conversation about the food thoughts. Number two, I can have food thoughts. I just don't get to take food action. Mm, There's a thought. So if I have a thought, I don't have to take an action. And if I take an action, what is outlined for me is what kind of action I can take. The best is to call somebody. Tell me I am not going to eat Orange County. You're not going to eat Orange County. Okay, I accept that. All right. I'm good with that. And by the time I get off of that telephone call with somebody else, I'm laughing about something funny, and you know, it it passes. It passes. That to me is part of the gift, of the blessing of the gift that I got this morning when I woke up. I also can recognize if I have food thoughts, and I look at the clock, because I'm a big clock person. I look at the clock. What do you mean I'm having food thoughts? I just had the breakfast, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's something else going on. One day I had the food thoughts really bad. And I'm sitting in here, I live alone. This used to be the fantasy that it is not. Um, but I live alone. And I'm having big food thoughts. And you know what? It was it was way past the lunchtime and I hadn't had the lunch. I was like, oh, hungry. Oh, that's legit, Lon. Huh? I had to actually go, well, no wonder I'm having food thoughts. I haven't had lunch, for God's sakes. I ate my lunch, It was fine. You know, is sometimes I just have to laugh at myself with it. But I the the leap from thinking to eating all about food so far that seems that seems to now be a, that's the broken link and I'm happy to have that link broken and it is only because of a gazillion meetings that I've set in and that I I'm teachable but I, I, I thank you I learned slowly so I'm really grateful to, uh, to have spoken to you and to be here among you. I'm going to stay for the rest because I want to hear all the rest of the speakers. Thank you so much for inviting me to share.